Thanks, Jason. And I'm sorry, I apologize from the jump, man. My voice is uh, not good. Um, and uh, where's Clay, Pastor Clay? Where's Clay? Did he even come? Clay, good, you came. Good, that's cool. I'm glad you're here. Um, I was speaking to the staff. Clay, we never met, right? You and I never, no, not before. So we were speaking to the staff, and like 10 minutes in, I look over at Clay because he knows I'm coming tonight. He's like, oh, man, this is not going to be good. It got a little crazy, but it, we dialed it back in, right? Yeah. Man, I'm glad to be here, guys. I am so excited. There, there is really nothing I would rather do than just talk to guys because of the influence and the potential that sits in this room. Like when we get dialed in spiritually, it impacts everything. So I'm so honored. I'm so glad to be here tonight. Thankful. I love Jason. We have been friends for a long time. Back when we had great hair, man, like, yeah, both of us. And and I'm still hanging on a little of the ring of honor right here. I'm still, I'm still kind of, I'm still rocking with that. But anyhow. Uh, I've been doing uh, a pastor church in Murfreesboro. By the way, you know, MT, you know, if you're Western, I'm, I'm assuming most of you are Western fans, is Western students. Yeah, it's like a little rivalry between MTSU and and a Western, but you guys are kind of dominant right now. But uh, I told the staff that's cyclical; like it'll come back, it'll come back around. In fact, I was watching the I was watching uh, Western and Austin P. Did you guys see the Western Austin P. football game? So the guy who's playing quarterback uh, for Austin P is an MTSU kid. He just, uh, we knew him. He, and he threw the interception right there at the end of the game to you guys. And so thank you. It's what you really ought to say. You know, you're welcome. You're welcome for that. That was, that was a gift wrap from the borough. But I'm glad to be here tonight. I want to I say something to you about, uh, I think it's a non-negotiable for a dude. And, and this is just such an important thing in my life. Uh, is really being connected inside of a inside of a small group, and I know a lot of guys are like, "Man, that's weird. What happens there? I don't I don't really want that in my life." I would say there are very few things in my life that have impacted me uh, like my small group of guys. Uh, they're meeting right now, even as I'm speaking. They're meeting right now, and uh, we just meet at a, at a buddy's house. Uh, been doing it for years. Every Wednesday night at six thirty, and it has shaped me in a, just a powerful way. And so. You know, I think one of the things it means to be a man, sometimes if you ask a guy, and I'll do this a lot, especially with kind of college students, because we're in a college town too, and in Murfreesboro, and, you know, so we're hanging out, and I'll say, man, how do you define manhood? And just wrestle with that for, for a moment. I mean, how would you define manhood? What does it mean to be a man? There's a lot of different things you can say. I mean, the culture has an answer to that, right? A man is good with the ladies. A man can stack some cash. You know, maybe he's rugged, he's athletic, you know, all those things. But I really think that's a biblical definition of manhood. I think one of the things that it means to be a man is a man accepts their God-given responsibility and owns it. And I think one of the things that, that men are meant to do is men are meant to be in community with other guys. We need it. I promise you. And so I would say tonight, you know, for, for some of you here, it's not about getting in a group. I would say you start a group. I guarantee you, you've got five or six other buddies that you could get together uh, once a week and uh, pray, talk, get into the Word, and it'll be clunky at first, but it will revolutionize your life. I'm a preacher. It's what I do. Man, I preach all the time. But I know this. I mean, I'm glad you're here tonight, and hopefully we'll gain something from the Word of God tonight. But I think change happens when we get in circles with other guys and really get real and open up. Because tonight, everybody's got something. I've got some stuff going on in my life. You've got some stuff going on in your life. And we need some space to really talk about that with other trusted men. So I cannot encourage you enough. And I, I just say this. I tell our people at New Vision all the time, if you only have one hour to give in a week, I want you to give it inside a group. 
because that's where lives are changed. And I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just telling you, I see men begin to really explode spiritually uh, inside, inside a good, healthy, small group. I want to say this, man, I, I, here's, here's a problem with men's ministry sometimes. I think in churches, and I'll just say I'm guilty of that, churches are just good at beating up on dudes. That's what we do. I, and I think it's wrong. I, I want to say, first of all, I'm proud of you. You're here tonight. You push through some awkwardness. There's 150 things you could be doing, right? But you're here tonight, so I'm proud of you for that. And I, I think you can step into being the man that God has created you be, to be. I think this fall could be the most exciting time for you, for your family, in your professional life. Man, it is there for the taking. You believe that? And I think tonight we're going to take a look at something I think is super, super important. I really believe it will help you. Guys back there in the back, y'all doing all right? Good deal. Um, that was kind of awkward, wasn't it? I just want to make sure that we're, we're connecting just a little bit. I didn't have anything more than that. Um, you know, I, I was talking to the staff about this. You know, you think about the enemy, Jason, you, you, you may agree, disagree. That you're wrong if you disagree. But anyways, one of the things that is good about the enemy, you might think, that's a weird statement. One of the things that is good about the enemy is he has not changed his tactics since the beginning of time. He is still coming at you in three distinct ways. Every man in this room, he's coming at you in three distinct ways. 1 John chapter 2, verse 16 tells us what they are. The lust of the flesh means living for pleasure, right? When life gets hard for us as guys, when life gets difficult, we're prone just to go to, go to pleasure, just to feel good and feel good now. The lust of the eyes, which is just materialism, and I'm just a nicer truck away from a better life. That's kind of what we think, right? And then the willful pride of life. So living for pleasure, living for stuff, and living in pride are the three tactics that the enemy is going to bring into your life. And I think this, this is, guys, this is your responsibility. Like nobody can do this for you. You have to learn how to fight back against the enemy. You're in a battle. Do you understand that? Is that weird? You're in a spiritual battle. There's a spiritual battle for your marriage. There's a spiritual battle for your marriage. If you got kids, there's a spiritual battle for your children. You young guys, there's a spiritual battle for your future. There is a real enemy. And I think as guys, man, we have to learn to fight back spiritually. I remember as a young guy, this is probably not, my dad was tough, man. Any of you grow up with a dad who's just hard-nosed? I grew up with just like a hard-nosed dad. So one of the things that with my dad, when I was a kid, one of the things that, that he wanted to do is teach me how to fight. That seemed to be important to him. Uh, my mom was 18 when I got married. When, when I was born, my dad was uh, 20 years old there in college. And, and so I, just my earliest memories of my dad is like teaching me how to fight. I look back on that and I think that was kind of messed up. But he wanted to make sure I knew how to protect myself, right? Well, let me just tell you something. Here's what we don't know how to do as men. We don't know how to protect ourselves spiritually. And I think we have to learn how to counterpunch the enemy we have to learn how to fight back with the truth of God's word. In fact, if you study scripture, you go to Jesus' temptation in the wilderness. The enemy comes at him in the same way, three distinct ways. And Jesus has a passage of scripture for every one of those attacks. And that's your responsibility. That's how we punch back with the truth of God's word. That's what God is calling you to do. And that's your responsibility. And what we say about manhood, the key ingredient being as a man, a man is we accept responsibility. And I'll tell you this, man, I've, doing, I've been doing marriage counseling for 30 years. Not well, mind you. I want to let you know that. Not, not well, but I've been doing it for a long time. And here's what I just hear over and over and over again. It's not anecdotal. I mean, women are wanting their men to lead them spiritually. If you're married here tonight, I promise you, 
What does your wife want? She wants, she wants you to lead her spiritually. What do your children want? I mean, they want a father that they can follow. And we got to learn. We got to learn how to fight back and not just continue to be defeated in the same way by the enemy. So we're going to talk about it tonight. How many of you grew up Mike Tyson fan? Any of you guys grew up Mike Tyson fans? Just show of hands. All right. Yeah, I grew up, I graduated from high school in 1988. Anybody kind of close in that? Best decade in the history of the universe, the 80s. I mean, real music. I mean, you know, yeah. Def Leppard, maybe the greatest rock and roll band in the history of the world. Yeah, come on, son. You look more like a ZZ Top, dude, but yeah, that's good too. Again, great music in the 80s, no doubt. But Mike Tyson, you young guys, Google it, right? Yeah, Mike Tyson was a beast. I mean, you didn't watch a Mike Tyson fight to see if Mike was going to win. You just watched a Mike Tyson fight to see how long it was going to last. Like, Tyson, when he fought, he's the only boxer that I've ever seen. He never checked up. When, when the bell rung and he leaves his corner, he never slowed up. I mean, he just went through dudes. He never stopped. You know, most guys will come out and stop, kind of give it a little, that was pretty cool, wasn't it? Throwing my back out up here. But he, he never checked up. He just went through people. And, uh, and so until this night, February 11th, 1990, Tokyo, Japan. James, anybody help me? Buster Douglas. In the 10th round, Buster Douglas KOs Mike Tyson. Man, I still remember that image. Like, after 37 straight wins, here is Tyson lying on the mat. It was like unfathomable. I mean, any of you remember that? Like, Mike Tyson doesn't get knocked out, especially by James Buster Douglas. You don't knock the champ out. But Mike Tyson fell. I think one of the reasons that we need to talk about this tonight is I think all of us in our life can be so close to a pretty powerful fall and we don't even understand what the enemy is. The enemy is pride. We're going to talk about that tonight. It's all we're going to talk about for just a few minutes. Is that all right? We're going to study God's word. We're going to talk about it because pride is that enemy that will knock you out. And we've got to have a battle plan for it, man. We've got to know how to counterpunch that. We've got to know that the enemy is going to play to that because we want life to be all about us. But listen, if we don't really get a biblical understanding of the damage of pride, listen, it will destroy us. And here's the thing that's so dangerous about pride. Think about this, guys, back there in the back. Man, you don't see pride when you look in the mirror. Man, if you're, if you're struggling with pornography, you know lust is an issue. You know that in your life. Man, your, your finances will tell you that materialism, you know, you got too much truck, too much boat, you know, whatever, too much deer lease, you name it. You know if materialism is an issue. But like nobody would kind of admit, hey, I want you to pray for me. I'm prideful. Like nobody really sees it, you know, but pride will lead to a downfall. If you have your Bibles, I want to look at an interesting story. And man, I apologize for my voice. I, um, I'm struggling tonight, and I know it's kind of hard to listen to. But we're here tonight, so let's just do it, right? Let's go. If you have your Bible, look at 2 Chronicles chapter 26. 2 Chronicles chapter 26, and we may put this up on the screen. I'm not sure. Do we have that? 2 Chronicles chapter 26. 
And the writer of Chronicles, it's really the last book in the Jewish Bible, is really taking a look back at the movement of God through the nation of Israel and telling some powerful and fascinating stories to help us really learn more about the nature of God. And this is a very interesting story about a young king named Uzziah. So I'm going to begin reading, and this is a rather large, a long section, but kind of hang in here with me. We're going to see that Uzziah's pride led to his downfall. We're going to learn some lessons to help us avoid that. It says, in, starting in verse 3, Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king. That's young, right? I remember 16. I didn't need to be leading anything. I can promise you that. He was 16 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 52 years. That's a good run, isn't it? His mother's name was Jecoliah. She was from Jerusalem. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father Amaziah had done. He sought God during the days of Zechariah. I have to pause right there. This is interesting. Zechariah, the Zechariah that the writer of Chronicles is referring to here, we don't know much about him. He's a prophet. He's a priest. But Uzziah put himself firmly under the teaching of Zechariah. And one of the keys to this amazing run of success that we're going to see in Uzziah's life was this decision he makes. Now, I want to show you something. We're going to see when Uzziah falls, Zechariah is not in the picture. So just kind of hold that there, right? Hold that there in your mind. It says, he sought God during the days of Zechariah, talking about King Uzziah, who instructed him, Zechariah did, who instructed Uzziah in the fear of the Lord. And as long as he sought the Lord, God gave him what? Success. Now, I want to look on down to verse 15. We'll pick up there. But in the section that I'm skipping over, it talks about some of the successes. Uzziah was very successful in military campaigns. Uzziah was very successful even in agriculture. The desert comes alive under Uzziah. He's digging wells and cisterns and produce is just exploding. He's exceedingly wealthy. It says he was a man who loved the soil. It says that Uzziah also was an inventor. Some people think that some people think that Uzziah was was an, or had some early thoughts on even the catapult system. He invented these towers that his archers could stay behind and be able to just attack their enemies in, in relative safety. So this is a guy who has it all and exceedingly powerful, exceedingly wealthy. Let's pick on up down in verse 15. It said his frame, his his fame, the fame of Uzziah spread far and wide, for he was greatly helped until he became powerful. And that's kind of a line that sort of stops me in my tracks. He was greatly helped. Greatly helped by who? Greatly helped by the Lord, right? Can I just tell you one little tip here, guys, about studying the Bible? Is always when you're reading Scripture, always stop and identify the pro pronoun. Who's this talking about? It's not hard to do, right? Ask Scripture some questions. Interact with it. it treat it as your life textbook. Do you believe that? Can I just say this? Do you believe God's Word is true? I do. I want to build my life on these truths, right? So it says that Uzziah was greatly helped until he became powerful. But after Uzziah became powerful, his pride led to his downfall. Down goes Tyson. Down goes Uzziah. What led to this fall? Pride. He was unfaithful to the Lord his God and entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of the uh, on the altar of incense. Azariah the priest with eighty, you might want to underline that if you if you're if you're like me, you just want to mark your Bible up with 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 eighty other courageous priests of the Lord 
followed him in. They confronted King Uzziah and said, it is not right for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord. That is for the priests, the descendants of Aaron, who have been consecrated to burn incense. Leave the sanctuary, for you have been unfaithful. You will not be honored by the Lord your God. Uzziah never checks up. He keeps doing it. Now, now, don't miss this. We might read over and say, well, that's not a big deal. This was a huge deal. You didn't go in unless you were a descendant uh, from the tribe of Aaron to go in and offer a sacrifice or burn incense in the altar. That was only for the priest. Uzziah wasn't a priest. But here's the thing about pride. Watch this. Guys, when we find success in one area of our life, and it's just never enough. It wasn't enough for Uzziah to be king over the people. Uzziah wanted to be the spiritual authority as well. And he has, watch this, he has 80 other dudes. That's a lot of guys, right? 80 men, courageous men who confront him and tell him that's wrong. But, but listen, pride never wants to be corrected. And Uzziah pushes right past that. Can I tell you something? I talk to guys about this all the time. And it takes time and it, it's not easy. But can I tell you something? This is what separates a man from a boy. It's one of the things that separates a man from a boy. And listen, I know 20-year-old men and I know 80-year-old boys. It's not really a matter of age. But a man will take correction. A man takes correction. A man's humble enough to be corrected. A boy rejects it every single time. So I got to ask my question, am I living like a man or like a boy? Uzziah's living like a boy. He doesn't take correction. Can I say this to you? If you've got one other guy in your life who loves you enough, cares about you deeply enough to share truth with you when you're drifting away from the Lord, that is like gold. And so who is it tonight? And will you listen to him? Let, let's continue to read some of you guys. It's been a long day. I know, man. It's, I, I couldn't do what you're doing. I'm a preacher because I can't listen. Right? I, can't, I, can't, I, can't, I, couldn't, I couldn't do what you're doing. You're way better than me, way better than me. But let, let, let's read on here, and I want to make a couple points. So they confront Uzziah. Uzziah never checks up. Verse 19, Uzziah, who had a censer in his hand ready to burn in, incense, became angry while he was raging at the priests in their presence before the incense altar in the Lord's temple. Leprosy broke out on his forehead. Now, if you, you've kind of grown up in church and you understand, when you see leprosy in the Bible, it's like, uh-oh, I mean, this is a death sentence. This is a slow and painful way to die. Skin rotting off. There's no cure for it. It is a slow, painful death. And now Uzziah, this powerful king, reigning 52 years, is struck with leprosy. They saw that he had leprosy on his forehead, so they hurried him out. Indeed, he himself was eager to leave. He's finally broken, but it's too late because the Lord had afflicted him. We're going to see God's, what God thinks about pride. King Uzziah had leprosy until the day he died. He lived in a separate house. If you have your Bible open, I wonder if you might just underline that word separate because this is, just, this is what pride will do. Pride will ultimately keep you separate from everybody. It'll destroy every healthy relationship in your life. Pride separates Uzziah. And he lived in a separate house, leprous and banned from the temple of the Lord. Jotham, his son, had charge of the palace and governed the people of the land. Down goes Tyson. Down goes Uzziah. But I want to say this. We've got this moment together tonight, don't we? You don't know me. I don't know you. But we're here, and we've got God's word, and there is a blueprint 
for us to follow that can keep you from a great downfall in your life, I promise you. But before we get any further, I want us to take a test tonight. Can we do that? Like, you guys excited? Well, sure you're not. Nobody wants to take a test. I want us to take a test. Here's why I want us to take a test. We're going to take a pride test. Now, let me give you some rules of this pride test. Please listen carefully. Guys in the back, listen carefully. Don't answer these questions out loud. Don't look at another dude here and point at them, right? They're just, you know, poker face right here. But why are we taking this test? Because pride is dangerous, but none of us think we're prideful, right? That's always somebody else's problem. In fact, you might be here thinking, man, I wish he would have been here tonight. It's been a good one, been a good one for him to hear. So let's take a pride test. Just see how you do. When looking at a picture, group picture, when looking at a group picture, here's the first question. When looking at a group picture, do you find yourself first? Don't point at anybody. If the answer is yes to that, could be pride. Let me just go ahead and tell you, I failed this test. Does it really bother you when others correct you? Let me ask you that again. Does it bother you when others correct you? Like I'm a grown man. I don't need you to tell me that. If it bothers you when other people correct you, that could be what? That could be pride, right? Do you struggle with anger? Like even in traffic, you know what? Man, I'm, I struggle with that sometimes. I mean, people cut me off, people drive slow. And, and I don't, here's the thing. I don't have an anger problem. I have a pride problem because I think my time is more valuable than anybody else's and that fuels my anger. This is an issue. Let's look at, the, look at the fourth question. When others around you succeed, does it bother you? Think about it today at the office, whatever you're involved in. When somebody around you, maybe it's a, a, a coworker or family member, when they have just a measure of success, they get a promotion, they make the sale, they get some praise, does it bother you when other people around you succeed? If it does... It could be pride. And again, you're thinking, man, why are we talking about this tonight? Because there are three ways that the enemy is going to attack in your life. This is just a given. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the willful pride of life. This is a big deal. And pride will knock you out. Do you believe it? it certainly did in Uzziah's life, right? Let's look at another question. Do you often interrupt others? Like if somebody's telling the story, and as soon as they take a breath, they're not even done, but you've got to tell your story. You ever been around a story topper? You know those guys? And you say, I don't know anybody. That's because you are. You're the story topper. That's you. <laughs> right? That's what you do. Uh, I, I played ball with a guy in college, and uh, it, it, was, it was story topper. We, we got to where we would just make stuff up, and he'd top it. Like, you top stuff we just made up. So if you interrupt others, you have a hard time listening. That can be pride. In a meeting, think about this. In a meeting, do you just like your ideas the most? And you just kind of keep fighting and keep fighting for your idea and could be a sign of, could be a sign of pride. Is your prayer life weak? It's amazing as I talk to groups like this, and I'm not going to do this tonight, but if I said, you know, how many of us are really satisfied with our prayer life? It'd probably be very few. And so we'd say, well, I really need, I need to grow in my prayer life. Well, that might be true, but let's go a little bit deeper. Do you know why we have a weak prayer life? 
pride because we think we've got this. And so a, a weak prayer life can be a sign of pride. Last question, do you often tear yourself down so that others can build you up? You see, even false humility can be pride. It's still overly focused on yourself. Now, why did we go through that painful experience? And that was painful. And that was super painful, wasn't it? Here's the reason that I took that much time to do it. This is an issue in my life. Would there be anybody else in this room that would be courageous enough to say, Man, this is an issue in my life? I mean, I didn't do so well in this test here. Well, that's okay. Let's just, let's just, we're, we're going to talk about how we can get off the pride ride for just a second. But would you just give me five minutes? I'm gonna, I want to share with you why I think pride is so dangerous from Scripture. Can we talk about that? Can we talk about it? Because God's Word has a lot, and, and you're in a battle. Do you believe that? You're in a battle, right? There's a real enemy. I don't want to get weird. There's a real enemy. And like, if you don't know you're in a battle, you're going to get beat to death. But you got to know how to fight back. I mean, my dad, bless his heart, he was kind of right. He just wanted his boy to know how to fight back. But, but I want you to know how to fight back. I want you to know when the enemy attacks, how to go on the offensive, how to counterpunch, how to bring some truth from God's word into that situation and start walking in victory. Because can I just ask you this? Are you just sick and tired? My voice just changed. I've been waiting for that. That's cool, man. Um, are you just sick and tired of struggling with the same things? I, I, you know, I feel like a lot of my life was saved and stuck. That's how I would define it. Does that mean, man, just stuck in the same patterns of behavior? Man, I'm, I'm ready to go. How about you? I'm ready to experience unparalleled growth in my life. I want that for you. But pride is, one of, pride is that sneaky assassin, man, that has taken so much from us. So here's the problem with pride. Just really quickly, is that all right? Let's look at a couple things. Pride is ultimately this. Pride's living with an inverted focus. We were made to live up, look up. You, you agree with that? We're made to bring glory to God. We're made to praise the Lord. We're made to look up. Pride just keeps us looking down. Really, that, the Hebrew word for pride, it really, says, it really talks about this, just looking down. It's just being overly focused on ourselves. So pride is just living your life with an inverted focus. And listen, until something changes, we're never going never gonna to be free. Number two, pride's just foolish. Uzziah. Uzziah had it all, didn't he? He's a 16-year-old boy king. He has power. He has wealth. He's got the people after his military success. I mean, the people are with him. He has it all. And it's just foolish to walk in pride because it costs us. It costs us so much. Listen to what the Word says, Proverbs 11:2. When pride comes, then comes disgrace but with humility comes wisdom. When pride comes, then comes disgrace. When pride comes, say it with me, then comes disgrace. Nobody did. That was super awkward. You see, pride's a very foolish, foolish thing. Number three, pride angers God. Here's the problem with pride. Pride angers God. I mean, I mean Uzziah, God blesses him in, 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 in so many ways. And Uzziah continues to walk in pride and willful disobedience. He's struck with leprosy. Does that mean if I continue to walk in, in pride, something like that's going to happen to me? I'm not saying that. I'm just saying I want you to see God's perspective on pride. Right? Listen to what the Scripture said, Proverbs 16.5, The Lord detests all the proud. Be sure of this, they will not go unpunished. God detests pride. Why does God detest pride? 
because pride creates in me an independent life, living my life independent of him. Scripture is pretty clear about what God thinks about it. Pride will distance you from God. I mean, sometimes I hear guys say this a lot, Pastor Brady, I just feel so far from the Lord. Now, you don't have to nod here. Have you ever felt that way? Man, can I connect with anybody? You ever felt like, you know what? Man, I'm here tonight, but I feel a million miles away from God. I remember times in my life when I felt closeness of the Lord and I knew God was moving and working in my life, but man, I'm here tonight and I'm trying to have the look, but I feel so far away from God. And one of the sneaky culprits is unchecked pride. It distances us from God. Psalms 138, verse 6. This is a tough verse, man. It's a great verse. Though the Lord is exalted, he looks kindly on the lowly or the humble. Though lofty or though the lofty or the prideful, he sees them from afar. God sees us as we walk in humility, but pride will always distance you from the power and the presence of our God. I told your staff today, and by the way, you have a great staff. You have an amazing pastor. He's one of the sharpest guys I know. I've known him for the better part of my life. He's an amazing leader. I love him dearly. This is a great place. And I, I told your staff this today, and I'll tell you guys this tonight. Man, I think we are living, I think this fall could be the greatest opportunity for the church of Jesus Christ in your lifetime. And you might just dismiss me, and that would be okay. But we've just come out of a global pandemic. Our country is so divided, so fearful. I mean, people are spun out, and there is real hope and real power in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you believe it? Hey, listen, we're going to stand up and be counted right now, men, during this season, or we're going to miss the opportunity of our lifetime. Do you believe that? Anybody believe that tonight? Guys, I don't want us to miss the opportunity of our lifetime. Don't miss this moment, and pride will keep you from, from this moment, and that's the enemy's plan. Man, keep you focused on yourself, and you'll miss the movement and the power and what God is doing in this day. Anybody believe that? I think it's what's happening. Now, let me, let, me just, let me just try to define how I would say sinful pride, and then I want to close this thing up. Sinful, sinful pride, what was the problem with it? It is always an elevation of ourself and really denies our need from God. What is the problem with pride? Pride always elevates ourself, always elevates our needs, and it's really a, a denial of God's place, God's rightful place in our life. You, pride says something like this, man. Pride says, I'm above the law. Pride says, in this area, the rules don't apply to me. Pride says, in this area of my life, I deserve better. I'm talking to a, a dude right now, and here's what he says. He, he, he would fit in with anybody here tonight. Hey, my, we've got two kids. My wife's super focused on the kids. She's kind of neglected me, and so I kind of went out and took care of my needs my way because she wasn't. And you know what he's saying? I deserve better. You know what that is? And that's pride. That's pride. It is a dangerous, dangerous thing. But you got to be careful. It'll sneak up on you, right? Pride distances you from others. And I, I say this. I told your staff this. I love my wife, and I, we've been married for 30 years. Um, it's better today than it has ever been. 
I always see guys just kind of quit and give up too soon. Some, some of you are here tonight, man, you're struggling in your marriage. In fact, you're here. We have men's events, and last men's event we had just a couple weeks ago, this guy came up to me. I just loved it because he was just super honest, and he said, hey, I'm here. My wife told me to come. He said, I didn't really want to be here. Appreciate that. His marriage is in a tough place. Man, I want you to experience a maximum marriage. I want you to experience, those of you guys are, are, are married, I want you to experience all that God has for you, but pride is destroying your marriage. It is destroying every relationship around you. Promise you it is. Pride will distance you from everyone. Pride, pride. I think this, I, I think this. I think behind every sin, I can make a case, I think, behind every sin that we commit in our life, pride is behind it. In fact, I mean, sin even entering into the universe was a result of pride because Satan didn't want, he didn't want to worship the Lord. He wanted to be worshiped, right? So I say this, pride either started the problem in my life or pride has kept it from being resolved. <coughs> I got I to gotta tell you, um, excuse me. I don't know, sometimes you listen to guys and they get up and preach and teach and you think they've got everything dialed in in their life. I don't. Last couple of years have been the toughest years in my life. My wife uh, battled breast cancer. Uh, we had a disruption in our family that was a nightmare relationally. Man, it has stunk. And I really believe this, and it's really what God is showing me. Pride has really kept that thing from being, from being solved because it takes humility for really reconciliation to take place. This has been a painful, hard lesson for me. I have battled pride in my life, and I'm telling you what, it has cost me so much. And why am I here tonight? Why am I talking about, about this? Because I don't want you to have to pay that same price. But we're going to see that humility is the counterpunch to pride. Pride is expensive. That might get your attention. Uzziah lost it all. Pride is so costly. And if we don't deal with it, it'll cost us everything. Hey, let's, let's take a turn and head for home. Can we do that? Some of you are like, yeah, let's do that. Because here's all we've talked about tonight. Let's just recap. We took a pride test, right? And my guess is that many of you, maybe not all, but many of you probably scored about like me. Not real good, right? We have seen that there's a real problem with pride. Pride is costly. But before we leave tonight, how do we get off the pride ride? Like, yeah, I feel guilty. Thanks. Appreciate you coming. Have a safe trip home. Great stuff. Uh, how do we exit the pride ride? Is that a fair question? Like, I think it would be disservice to our time tonight to not talk about how do we get off the pride ride. Because I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit of God, if you're in Christ, not assuming that everybody is in Christ, but the Holy Spirit of God dwells inside of you and the power that is available to you is a power to release you and walk in unparalleled victory in your life. Man, you want it. You need it. And pride is sapping you of that strength to experience the fullness of God. So how do we exit the pride ride tonight? Number one, here's the first thing. Let's just talk about these really quickly. If you want to exit the pride ride, I do. I do, man. I want off. Like I, I, want, I want off. This is too costly. First thing is I think you have to have a correct estimation 
of yourself. That's really what humility is. That's the start of humility. Humility is having a correct estimation of yourself and who you are apart from Christ. Humility is having a correct estimation of who you are apart from Christ. Let me just tell you who I am apart from Christ. I'm dead in my sin without any hope and without any power. That's who I am. And I I think it's important from time to time to be reminded of that. That humbles me. Here's what I believe. You may disagree. That, That would be okay. I don't think I take another breath unless God gives it to me. Does anybody agree with that? You know what that is? That is an exceedingly humbling thing. And we need to be aware of that. So have a correct estimation of yourself. Realize this. Look at James chapter 4, verse 6. I challenge you to memorize this. This is counterpunch. Whenever you begin through the prompting of the Holy Spirit to realize and recognize pride, I mean, tomorrow as you start to interrupt someone, tomorrow as you kind of break out in anger because somebody kind of came in on your time, I mean, tomorrow in a meeting when you're battling for your idea, battling for your idea, and you won't listen to anybody else, tomorrow when somebody has enough courage and enough love to correct you, and man, you come at them hard. That's pride, and you got to have a counterpunch, or pride will knock you out. Look at James 4, 6. But he, meaning the Lord, gives more grace. Aren't you thankful for that? He gives more grace. Grace is God's power, God's mercy. Therefore, the scripture said, God opposes the proud, but he offers grace to the humble. Let's think about that. God opposes the proud, but he offers grace to the humble. Can you let that sink into your mind, into your heart? God stands in opposition against pride, but he offers grace. He offers mercy to to the humble. Lord, teach me what it means to be a humble man. Number two, if you want off the pride ride, have a correct estimation of yourself. Number two, admit your pride to the Lord and to a trusted friend. I don't think we'll ever be fully free. Man, this is what I want. And I want you guys to be freer than you have ever been in your life. I don't know you, but if you're in Christ, we're related. And you're my brother. And I want you to experience more freedom than you've ever had in your life. Do you want it? Do you want that? Listen, it's there for the taking. So how do we step into it? As long as you keep pride in the dark, it will continue to destroy you. So the second key to exiting the pride ride is just admitting it to the Lord. He knows it anyway. And then secondly, to a trusted friend. And this is where groups are so important. And we talked about this as a, with your staff today. I think it's a, it's a key reason why so many people stay stuck is we just don't admit our sin and our struggle to another brother. I can, I, I'll tell you, something could happen in the parking lot tonight. Listen, I, I think, in, in fact, maybe the most powerful time of our night could happen in the parking lot. It'd just go down something like this. You're kind of hanging out, talking to a buddy that you're here with, and you're just about to leave. You're just about to get in your truck. He's just about to get in his truck, and it'll happen. You'll say, hey, before we leave tonight, I need, to, I need to tell you something that is true about me. What we talked about in there tonight with Uzziah, man, that's me. Pride's cost me a lot. And I'm admitting that to the Father, and I'm admitting that to you as my brother. Would you pray for me? And let me tell you something. You will begin. You've brought that into the light 
with another man and it will be a tool for your liberation. Do you want it? It can happen. So admit that to the Lord, to a trusted friend. Number three, let others commend you. Pride is all about promoting ourselves. Both of my boys, they're growing and out of the house. Both of my boys are in sales. And so if you're in sales tonight, you're, you know, you're just always, kind of always promoting yourself. And I understand that. We, in the business world, I get that. But I'm just talking about in our daily life. I mean, guys want respect. One of the greatest needs, and it's not wrong, one of the greatest needs that we have as men is respect. Do you agree with that? Nothing wrong with that. We want respect. We want more opportunities. Would you agree with that? I mean, you young, you want more opportunities, don't you? I mean, we want more in our professional life, whatever it is. But here's the key. Let other people commend you. Because we are so busy exalting ourselves, putting ourselves out there to other people, and we just won't be patient and let God raise us up. I think that's how we exit the pride ride. We just let other people raise us up. Proverbs 27, 2 says this, let someone else praise you and not your own mouth, an outsider and not your own lips. Can I tell you something tonight? If you're in Christ, listen to me, I'm almost done. He sees you. If you're in Christ tonight, he sees you. He knows his plans for your life. He's got you. If there is more for you to have, he can raise you up. You can rest in the fact you don't have to be out there constantly promoting yourself, commending yourself. Let other people do that. That's where the good stuff's at. Number four, this is the hard one. Let other people correct you. This is where Uzziah failed, man. He wouldn't let other people correct him. Remind me, how many priests, courageous priests, confronted Uzziah in the tabernacle? <laughs> That's a lot. That's a lot. Like 80 dudes saying, whoa, hey, that's wrong. That's outside of Scripture. And Uzziah in pride and arrogance just pushes right through. Let me tell you something. Typically what happens, please, please hear this. Typically what happens is anytime somebody corrects us, they don't do it perfectly. That makes sense? Because correcting another brother is hard, isn't it? Can we just be honest? Like correcting, I mean, if Jason sees something in my life, we went to dinner tonight, if he would have seen something in my life and it didn't line up with, with the Word of God, I mean, for him to have a conversation with me about that, I mean, we care deeply about each other, but to have a conversation, it's just clunky, isn't it? Nobody does it right, but here's what happens. When somebody has the courage to bring some correction in our life, we attack the process. That makes sense? We go on the offensive by the way they did it. And we miss the real truth of the fact that there was somebody in our life courageous enough to speak some truth into our life. Man, you want to exit the pride ride? Be humble enough to let others correct you. Here's one of the things. We say this in my men's group. I mean, our, our motto is that we're going to be a group of guys that eat at Hardee's together after retirement two, two mornings a week. That's what we want to do, right? We want to stay together. But we say this, man, my life is open. If you see something, say something. Have you given guys, is there one guy that you've given the keys to your life? Dude, if you see something, say something. I'm begging you. Let other people correct you. 
Man, don't, and I can think back on my life. I wonder if anybody's with me. I can think back on my life at times where people tried to do it and I attacked the process, right? Instead of seeing it for what it is, pride hates correction. Where there is strife, there is pride. But wisdom is found in those who take advice. Proverbs 10.8, the wise in heart accepts commands, but a chattering fool comes to ruin. I've been a chattering fool in my life. I want to be done with that. I don't want to attack people that bring correction in my life. I want to receive it. I say this in marriage counseling all the time. I've been doing marriage counseling for 30 years, and I, I, I'll, I'll spend an hour with a couple. Man, it's like refereeing a boxing match. And uh, my wife and I have spent time in counseling. I'm pro-counseling, but I always grab the guy and say, hey, can you hang with me just a second? And she'll leave. And I'll say, would you do me a favor this week? Would you please do me a favor? When she says something this week that pushes your buttons and it will happen in the next two hours, do me a favor. Would you please do me a favor? Don't be defensive. Just hear it. Create some space from what she said and your upcoming reaction. Create some space. Don't be defensive. Repeat back what she said. It'll freak her out. Like she will not know what hit her. So, so what you said to me, sweet girl, was this. After she gets up off the floor, man, then you got a chance. But I think we have to work on that. I mean, God will use, God will use our wives to bring correction. God will use our children to bring correction. God will use so many people and be humble enough to receive it. Be willing to serve others. Again, you think that's just preacher speak. I always, I, I challenge our guys here, before you go home to Jesus, spend one week on the mission field serving other people. Before your kid, you got kids in the house, before they leave the house, take them on a short-term mission trip. Nothing that I know of will probably impact them like that. Something happens when we just begin to serve other people that bring some humility into our life in a powerful way. And watch this. Your, your staff will have to clean up the mess I'm making with this statement. Um, but I've got to head back to Murfreesboro, so they'll, they'll answer this question. So many times in the church we talk about serving out of our giftedness. Does that make sense? I want to serve out of my giftedness. Again, I think it's a great thing. But I think sometimes we just serve out of need, right? Just where's the need? God, where is some place where somebody is marginalized and, not, and there's a need not being met? And I just want to serve. I just want to serve where there is a need. And that will break the grip of pride. It will allow you to exit the pride ride in an amazing way. Let me close with this. When it comes to pride, we can all feel guilty, right? I'm prideful, man. There is only one who got this thing right. There is only one who never gave in to pride. Do you believe that? That's the Lord Jesus. I want to read some scripture over you tonight. I'm going to ask you to do something. You may think it's weird. That's okay. We say at New Vision on the other side of something awkward can be something amazing. So let's just close our eyes and just listen to this passage. Why close your eyes here? What are you doing, man? This is weird. Because I just want you to limit distractions. We're done. Listen to this. Only one who never gave in to pride that's King Jesus, Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. I love this section, man. Listen to it. Let it wash over you. 
in your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Look this way, guys. Look this way. One of the things I love about this passage is it gives us a rock solid, undeniable biblical principle that will radically shape everybody's life. The way up is down. You humble yourself and God will exalt you. You stay on the pride ride and you will be humbled. And it will come with a high cost. At the end of that passage, it declares something that is going to be true at the end of the age. Listen to this. Do you believe there's coming a day that every knee is going to bow? Bowing a knee is an act of what? Humility. Do you understand this? The most prideful and arrogant men who have ever walked on the face of this earth will one day bow their knee to King Jesus. Do you believe that? That's what the Word says. And they will declare that he is Lord to the glory of God. What a day. Here's the problem. For most of them, it will be too late because they missed their moment. When they had a chance, they failed to humble themselves before the Lord. You may think this is old school, and maybe it is. I think it's true. I think right now in this moment, hell is full of prideful people who live their whole life with an inverted focus on themselves, looking down instead of looking up, never humbling themselves before the Lord. And I just wonder tonight if there isn't a couple dudes here first and foremost, have never humbled themselves before Christ the King. Listen, everybody's going to do it one day. But for the vast majority, it'll be too late. But it's not too late for you right now in this moment. Do you believe that? Can we bow? I'm going to pray now. This is a different closure. Can, can we just pray? Can we do that? Can we bow our heads and close our eyes? I'm, I'm done. Some of you are like, that's the eighth time you've said you've been done. I mean it this time. I just wonder if there isn't somebody here tonight who would say, you know what? Pastor Brady, that, that's me. Man, in my life, the truth of the matter is, it's kind of been, I've got this, God. You've had a Heisman pose towards God all your life. You've kept him at arm's length. Yeah, when you got in a tight spot, you've reached out, but you have never humbled yourself and invite Jesus in as Lord of your life. And you understand that tonight. And is there somebody here tonight who would say this? 
Tonight is my night to humble myself before King Jesus. I desire to do that. That's me. That's my story. I'm ready to humble myself before the Lord, receive him as his Savior, make him king. If that's you tonight, nobody's looking around. Man, I know this might be weird. Nobody's looking around. If that's you tonight who say, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to humble myself before Jesus. Is there anybody just slip their hand up and say, that's me? Would you pray for me? Is there anybody here that would say, that's me? I see you, dude. I see you. Yeah, I see you. Can you do this? Because he's listening. You're his boy. Nobody loves you more than he loves you, and nobody's done for you what he's done for you. And this is your moment, man. Would you say this to the Lord just privately, quietly, right there where you are? Would you say this to the Lord? Dear Jesus, my pride has separated me from you. Would you just tell him that in your words? Jesus, my pride has separated me from you. Jesus, I believed you loved me enough to die in humility to free me from my pride. Would you tell him that? Jesus, I believe you died in humility to free me from my pride. And Jesus, tonight, I trust you and you alone as my Savior and my Lord. I am yours. I humble myself before you, King Jesus. Would you tell him that? And I'll follow you. Father, thank you for the moment that we've had tonight. Lord, thank you for the dudes in this room. That tonight, eternity perhaps is different because they have trusted you. We celebrate that. Lord, for the rest of us, through the power of your Holy Spirit, would you liberate us from the pride ride that we could be freer than we've ever been before. In the name of King Jesus, we pray. Amen. Hey, can I say one thing uh, before Clay comes up? Hey, tonight, if you put your faith and trust in Christ, you prayed and humbled yourself before the Lord, would you do me a courageous favor? Would you tell one other dude here tonight? Because if not, can I just shoot straight with you? The enemy will eat your stinking lunch. The Apostle Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power unto salvation for everyone who believes. Don't be ashamed of, ashamed of King Jesus. Let somebody else in your life that can help you and encourage you and to help you grow. God bless you guys. Thanks for giving me an opportunity to speak with you tonight. It meant a lot.